Oh yeah. Episode 5. Let's go. And welcome to the Mike is Always Right podcast. I'm your host, Mike. And I just want to get into it. I just want to talk about some of the things that have been going on lately, some of the things that have been happening in our world. And and the first thing I want to do is I want to take a moment and I want to play a clip from our president, your guy, Uncle Joe, talking about some tragedy, talking about some things that have happened. So let's, Pablito. Pablito, wake up. That's the reason we asked you back. We, we did a little bit of a fan poll, and uh, Pablito is invited back for producer survivor. So uh, Pablito is here with us. This, uh, cue, up, cue up Biden. Come on, man. come on, man. We'll we'll play come on, man later. Let's let's cue up the uh, let's cue up the Boulder deal. So let's take a listen to this. Deal. We don't know about the killer and the motivation of the killer in Boulder, Colorado and other critical aspects of this mass shooting. I've been briefed this morning by the Attorney General of the United States, the Director of the FBI. I've spoken with the Governor, and uh, I'll be speaking with the Mayor on on the aircraft. We're working very closely with the state and local law enforcement officials, and they're going to keep me updated as they learn more. You're going to ask me to speculate, understandably, you'd ask me to speculate about what happened, why it happened, and I'm not going to do that now because we don't have all the information, not until I have all the facts. But I do know this, as President, I'm going to use all the resources at my disposal to keep the American people safe. As I said, at this moment, a great deal remains unknown, but three things are certain. First. Ten lives have been lost, and more families have been shattered by gun violence in the state of Colorado. And Jill and I are devastated. And uh, the feeling, I just can't imagine how the families are feeling, the victims whose futures were stolen from them, from their families, from their loved ones, who uh, now have to struggle to go on and try to make sense of what's happened. Less than a week after the horrific murders of eight people and the assault on the AAPI community in Georgia, while the flag was still flying half-staff for the tragedy, another American city has been scarred by gun violence and resulting trauma. And the state that I even hate to say it because we're saying it so often, my heart goes out. Our hearts go out for the survivors the, who had to, uh, had to flee for their lives and who hid, terrified, unsure if they would ever see their families again, their friends again. The consequences of all this are deeper than I suspect we know. By that, I mean the mental consequences, the feeling of, anyway, it just been through too many of these. The second point I want to make is my deepest thanks to the heroic police and other first responders who acted so quickly to address the situation and keep uh, the members of their community safe. And to state the obvious, the obvious, I commend the exceptional bravery of Officer Eric Talley, 
And I send my deepest condolences to his family, his close, close family and seven children. You know, when he pinned on that badge yesterday morning, he didn't know what the day would bring. I want everybody to think about this. Every time an officer walks out of his or her home and pins that badge on, the family member that they just said goodbye to wonders whether they'll subconsciously, will they get that call, the call that his wife got. He thought he'd be coming home to his family and his seven children. But when the moment the act came, Officer Tully did not hesitate in his duty, making the ultimate sacrifice in his effort to save lives. <clears throat> That's a definition of an American hero. And thirdly, I want to be very clear. This is the one thing I do know enough to say on in terms of what's happened there. While we're still waiting for more information regarding the shooter, his motive, the weapons he used, the guns, the magazines, the weapons, the modifications that apparently have taken place to those weapons that are involved here, I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common sense steps that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. I got that done when I was a senator. It passed. It was law for the longest time. And it brought down these mass killings. We should do it again. We can close the loopholes in our background check system, including the Charleston loophole. That's one of the best tools we have right now to prevent gun violence. The Senate should immediately pass. Let me say it again. The United States Senate, I hope some are listening, should immediately pass the two House passed bills that close loopholes in the background check system. These are bills that receive votes of both Republicans and Democrats in the House. This is not and should not be a partisan issue. This is an American issue. It will save lives, American lives. And we have to act. We should also ban assault weapons in the process. I'll have much more to say as we learn more, but I wanted to be clear. Those poor folks who died left behind families that leaves a big hole in their hearts. And, and, we can save lives, increasing the background checks so that they're supposed to occur, and eliminating assault weapons and the size of magazines. We don't know all the detail yet on that. But I'll be talking to you more later today or in the next couple of days about what else we know. May God bless you all and uh, those families who are mourning today because of gun violence in Colorado and Georgia, all across the country. We have to act so there's not more of you. There's fewer of you as time goes on. Thank you so much. Well, it's typically not a very popular thing. You only have so much time when you're doing a podcast. You don't want to keep your audience long, but I thought it was important to play the remarks of our president and really just take a moment to highlight the hypocrisy. And and really, I wanted to give just some, some background, just some information, just an understanding so that we can understand where this is going. So where this is going is not good. Where this is going does not make any sense, and it is so against the Constitution. It, it's almost humorous to think that people are trying to do this in broad daylight. So 
First and foremost, let me just say this. Anytime we lose lives, it's horrible. Anytime anybody dies, it is a horrible thing, whether it's a gun, a knife, a stroke, a heart attack. I, I happen to be of the belief that people have intrinsic value. Uh, human life is very, very important. But I, I want us as an audience to begin to understand the tricks of the trade, the tools that the left specifically is using to fit and bend things to their narrative. And and the term I use a lot when I, I speak to my friends and I talk to people is the term selective outrage. Selective outrage is something that to me is probably the worst possible thing you can have because what it does is it turns something that's very horrible, something that is really bad, into fuel for whatever argument you have, whatever thought process you have, whatever goal you are trying to attain. So take a second and listen to this, because this is uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, Madame Presidente, and she's talking about tragedy. And I want you to listen specifically because she talks about some people. She talks about a mindset. Take a look at this. Pablito, clip number two. You know, we, we have the, uh, the chief of staff for President Obama was, is an old friend of, of mine and my husband's and was in the White House when, when Bill was there. And, and he said, you know, uh, never waste a good crisis. The thing is, I will tell you, full disclosure on that clip, that clip was from 2009, that was at a climate summit, and they were talking about the horrors of climate change, and she was talking about, basically, a mindset, and, and that's why I played that clip, because this is a mindset that these people are in. This is a thought process that these people are in. It doesn't apply to just climate change. It doesn't apply to guns. It applies to everything because it's a bedrock principle of who they are as human beings. Make no mistake about this. The number one thing that the left and the right, I'll be honest, wants to cling to is power. Power, ultimate power, ultimate authority, and whatever will keep them in power, whatever will keep them in authority, is really where we want to go. And if that disguised as this will help them achieve that, then here you go. In their opinion, in their mindset, it is a means to an end. This is the political class. These are the liberal left-wing socialists. These are the shiny-shoes Republicans that don't understand what it is to work and don't understand how it is that can go along with some of the craziness that is being proposed by this administration. So when we talk about some of the selective outrage... Does anybody ever talk about the city of Chicago, democratically controlled for eons? Lori Lightfoot, their mayor, Rahm Emanuel, the guy before her. Does anybody ever talk about how there is so much problems in that town? Does anybody want to say, uh, according to, and this is kind of my, my <laughs> one of my favorite new websites right now is heyjackass.com. Um, it, it is a, a uh, numbers, it's an analytics uh, website that talks about uh, some of the violence in a lot of different places and one of the places they talk about is Chicago does anybody have any outrage for the 30 people that were shot and killed in Chicago the three days before the Boulder incident nobody wants to talk about those because it's an absolute failure 
of the principles of the people running the town. And we don't want to highlight that, but we're going to get selectively outraged when this happens. We're going to talk about banning assault rifles. We're going to talk about the AAISO. I'm Joe Biden. And who who are we talking about? Joe, we're we're talking about Asians. You see, the problem is that they've come with the Black Lives Matter, the Asian Lives Matter, the Transgenders Matter, the Gay Lives Matter, the 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 uh, women's rights. They've come with all of that, and what they've forgotten is human life matters. What they've forgotten is that we are people before we are we're human beings, right? So I I, I talk about this this selective outrage because all of those people. Where was all of the outrage? Where was all the problems? Where was all the issues? You can't get problems and issues out of the city of Chicago. It just basically stays there, stews, and it can never make it outside of the south side of the city. What about the 38 people that were shot? What about the 218 people that were wounded? What about the total number of people shot? 256. How about the fact that of those shot, 83.3% of them were black? But see, it doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative. And, and uh, you know, I, I was listening to another, another talk show host uh, uh, talk about this. He calls it the Golden Girl Syndrome. If you watched the first several hours of the Boulder shooting, because everybody had to go wall to wall. We had to interrupt it. There were problems. There were issues. This is Colorado. This is, this is a problem. When we broke our coverage, and it was what he calls the Golden Girl Syndrome. I bet he white. I bet he white. I bet he he was a white nationalist with an AR-15. The only problem was he wasn't a white nationalist. The only problem was he was actually Syrian. Well, but it, that, that didn't matter. It didn't you know? It wasn't the fact that he had an AR-15. And he shouldn't have had it. You know, we can go round and round as to how he purchased it. We can go round and round as to should he have had it? Should he have had the ability? I will say this. Selective outrage is one of the things that doesn't allow you to keep things in context, and it doesn't allow you to really understand the root cause of an issue, because everybody's sad, everybody's mad, everybody's, our hearts go out, and, and they talk about all this stuff, and then, and then they try to turn their attention to an inanimate object that did that, and they never get down to the root cause of why we got here. You know what's interesting is, and I've spent some time on this, root cause and in, in incidents and accidents and whether people get hurt, you know, Toyota, God bless them. They're they're an amazing company. They have a great manufacturing presence, a great safety presence. They have what they call the five whys. And and basically what it is is you pull yourself into your toddler mode and you ask the question why five times. Why is this like this? Because this is why is it like that? Because that's how this and it eventually helps you get to the root cause of the issue. And when you get to the root cause of mass shootings, you get to the root cause of all of this issues, you will understand the root cause is evil. It's not a gun. It's not a knife. It is pure, unadulterated evil that is filled in these people's hearts, 
They have a goal. They have a desire to go out in a blaze of glory. They have this desire to hurt, to maim, and to kill. And you will never, ever be able to legislate that. No matter if you take away whatever you take away. We saw an incident that happened just yesterday. As I'm recording this, uh, there was an assault on the Capitol. And a person actually rammed their vehicle to a barricade. Killed a Capitol Police officer. Killed a Capitol Police officer. There has not been a Capitol Police officer that has died in the line of duty. And they said something like 20 years. Killed a Capitol Police officer. Second one that's died in the last couple of months. And he did it with a car. Rammed him with the vehicle. Got out with a knife. And they were able to shoot him and kill him. And neutralize the threat. What's next kids? Are we going to ban cars? A lot of people die in car accidents. So should we ban them? So to me when you look at a lot of these issues. A lot of this is selective outrage. Representative Ilan Omar, heartbroken, this is a, a, her, her own Twitter, verified Twitter account, heartbroken to learn another CP, that's Capitol Police, was killed while protecting our Capitol. My thoughts and prayers go out to the officer's family and the entire Capitol Police force. Now let's capitalize on this, ready? Selective outrage, kids, here we go. The death toll would have been worse if the assailant had had an AR-15 instead of a knife. Why bring that argument there? Why does that need to be put there? Why does it need to be there? Because we're never going to let a good catastrophe, we're never going to waste an opportunity to make sure that we completely spin our message, to make sure that what we have to say gets out there, to make sure that we can cling to power as long as we possibly can. So when we talk about selective outrage, nobody talks about Chicago. Nobody talks about the black people that are being killed out there in droves because of gang violence. Oh, it's all somebody else's fault. If you talk to any of the leaders, it all comes from Indiana, Indiana, Indiana. Oh, they have loose gun laws and you can just buy a gun. They have all this different stuff, right? All of these different issues and nobody ever wants to get down to the root cause of it. Why? Because a person had a gun. Why? Because a person wanted to do harm. Why? Because the person had a, a tough mental issue or they had an issue in their heart and their heart was wrong. Why? Because maybe they didn't experience love as a child. They never knew anybody who would give them the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because human life didn't have any value to them. Is it no wonder why you have these mass shootings? Is it no wonder why red and yellow, black and white? It's not like the guy walked into the grocery store and just started killing black people. Wasn't like he just walked in and he started killing white. No, he just started spraying bullets. No matter if it's Atlanta, Boulder, Parkland, any of these places, a uh, Newtown. These are horrible things. But we have to understand the mechanism that was used. Whether it was a handgun, whether it was a rifle, whether it was, whatever it was. When we talk about this, we need to understand the human element. And we'll get into the human element when we come back right after this message. 
Pablito, that was pretty good, man. Welcome back, everybody. That was uh, a little big band coming at you. I didn't know you had it in there, Pablito. I mean, we may keep you around after all. Uh, Paruso Pablito is uh, is having a good time in the booth today, I'm going to say that, helping with uh, everything that goes on here. So, hey, welcome back to the second segment of the Mike is Always Right podcast. Uh, really appreciate you tuning in this week and listening to our episode number five, and really what we're talking about is we're talking about the Second Amendment. We're talking about the right to keep and bear arms, which shall not be infringed. I don't know what part of shall not be, uh, you know, gets misconstrued. I think our forefathers were very, very aware of what happens when tyrants are given the ability to hover over the people and given the ability to oppress the people. I don't know if you realize where we come from. And, and I'm, I say this as Americans, we all come from different places. We all come from different things. And, and when we look at where we came from, we came from a people that were oppressed by a king that raised up and they didn't get upset. They didn't, they said, no, we're not going to do this. And then they went out and they had to accomplish their goal. And that goal meant that they had to violently take lives, that they had to fight for their freedom, that they had to rise up against the tyranny and they had to take arms and they had to go out and fight for what was theirs. So when we look at the First Amendment, when we look at the Second Amendment, when we talk about all of these different God-given rights that our forefathers, though flawed men, were putting into the Constitution, you got to understand the mindset from where that came from. They understood tyranny. They understood oppression. They understood what could happen if a government runs amok. They understood what could happen if weak-willed, horrible men got into power and what that could do to the populace. And when you talk about all of this, this selective outrage, this move to ban weapons, when you talk about all of this, this is really rooted in a lot of identity politics. It's rooted in a lot of, we're going to play this group against that group for the benefit of this group. So we all know every time we go to the polls that Democrats count on and just basically, and, and I will tell you this, interviewing, if you go back to the second podcast and you listen to Monica Alexander, uh, she's an amazing woman, black woman, conservative, strong, valued black woman. Uh, she talks about how the Democrats never come around unless they need their vote. And when they get their vote, then they don't do a damn thing for the black population. And so when we talk about this Black Lives Matter, I'm going to ask the question for everybody. Do black lives matter for black people? I will tell you this. Uh, 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 I read a government study the other day that was talking about Roe versus Wade. It was talking about abortion. It was talking about the clinical access to abortion. And it said something along the lines of over 19 million black babies have been aborted since 1973. So since 1973, we've had 19 million black babies aborted since then now on a whole on on a on a larger uh, scale we've had over 55 million abortions since 
Roe versus Wade. And when we talk about the impact that those people could have had, that those babies could have had, when we talk about the pure economics, think about it. And it's it's, it's funny, uh, you know, I'm a huge Marvel fan. And, and you talk about the blip, right? We talk about the 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 clicking and everybody is gone and and you look at that like what does that do to a population when so many millions and millions of people aren't there those are millions and millions of people that never had the opportunity to grow up they never had the opportunity to get an education they never had the opportunity to invent something or or work at a bank or work at a, a local grocery store or to go to congress or to become president they never had that opportunity because their life didn't matter so when you try to tell me that black lives matter i laugh in your face because the history tells me black lives don't matter to black people lives in and of themselves don't matter because we kill babies every single day we allow our cities to digress into this cesspool of gang violence and shootings and stabbings and killings and we try to blame it on the weapon itself well if they didn't have the weapon there wouldn't have been people that died if we just will ban high-capacity magazines, that's what it is. You, you shouldn't have any magazine over 10 rounds. R really? Is that, is that how we get to the heart issue that is plaguing our society where people don't value life? Where people don't see that people have intrinsic value? Where people don't understand that, listen, you're you and I'm me. We can disagree about things... But there doesn't need to be violence. In the course of our lives, we don't need to kill people. But every time there is an incident, every time there is a shooting, every time there is a killing, we want to blame it on something because we can't wrap our heads around the evil that actually engrosses and just encapsulates this planet. What sort of evil would say, that thing inside your tummy... That's a choice. You can just get rid of it. No big deal. So we have this generational issue where human life doesn't mean anything. Where people are ridiculed. Where people are just treated as less than people. Because we don't value life. And then we want to take and say, well, hey, you know, oh, the, the, they had a gun. We should take away your access to a gun. And, and they fight through the tears and they fight through the, let's put our flags at half staff and we're, we're probably going to see over the next several weeks all of the different funerals for all the different people. And we're going to have outrage of all of that stuff. But then I ask you this, at what point does your grief, does your pain, does your hurt override my ability to protect my family and to protect my lives. Make no mistake about this. The Second Amendment was a guaranteed right that was purposely put in our Constitution so people can protect themselves. What do we need to protect ourselves from, Michael? Here's what we need to protect ourselves from. Those who would do harm. Those who would steal. Those who would kill. Those who would destroy. Those who don't have the moral compass to say, 
No, I need to go out and work for what I want. And if I work hard for what I want, I will achieve the things I want. This is the greatest country on the planet. I'm going to go out and hustle for what I need, want, and what I'm going to get. No, you have people that try to take. You have people that and don't even get don't even get me started. You you talk about the 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 defunding of the police, right? In many places, there is only one thing that stands between literally life and death, and that's a cell phone that calls 911. That's a cop that is sworn to protect and serve. Now, don't get spewed on a tangent here. There are bad cops. There are bad plumbers. There are bad electricians. There are bad mayors. There are bad presidents. I'm telling you that the bulk, the high percentage of men and women in law enforcement every single day get up with a desire to do two things, to serve and to protect. They want to serve their community, they want to take care of people, and they want to protect them from the evils of this world because nobody knows better than our local police and our military veterans that there is evil on this planet and that evil only wants to cause pain. So they get up in the morning, they put on that badge, they put on their bulletproof vest, they load their weapon and hope to God that they can come home at the end of their shift in one piece to their wives, to their husbands, to their kids, to their cats. You have evil in this world. You have evil on this planet. And now we're talking about defunding the very element that is there to help and protect us. Pablito, pull up Kamala. La, 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 la. Let's, let's talk about, because Kamala has an interesting plan. This is our vice president. This clip we're going to play was when she was actually running for president. And she was talking about, do we defund? Do we reform? And she wants to imagine a world that is different than the world we have here. Cue that up, Pablito, number three. So, Megan, I think that a big part of this conversation really is about reimagining how we do public safety in America, which I support, which is this. We have confused the, the idea that to achieve safety, you put more cops on the street instead of understanding to achieve safe and healthy communities. You put more resources into the public education system of those communities, into affordable housing, into home ownership, into access to capital for small businesses, access to health care regardless of, of how much money people have. That's how you achieve safe and healthy communities. And so we really do need to understand and reimagine what and how we can actually make and help make communities safe. So that coming from the, the vice president, can you imagine um, what she's talking about? Because I will tell you this, this whole defund the police ground zero started in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, not too far from where I actually live right now. And it started with defunding and we're going to take away money and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And and here's what you saw as a result, okay? These men, these women, these humans that are sworn to protect, that are sworn to uphold the Constitution and their local laws, that put on the uniform every day, they begin to question whether it's worth it. 
they begin to question, if you're not going to have my back, if I'm not going to get support, if I'm not going to get things like training, if I'm not going to get things like the actual implements that I need so that I can take care of this community, suddenly whatever salary you're paying me pales in comparison to the risks that I am taking for my life. Make no mistake about it. Police officers, firefighters, paramedics, first responders, and your military veterans, they are very, very key to understand risk, right? And when the risk gets higher than what they're willing to accept, what do you have? Well, look at last summer. You have riots, you have all of this stuff, and you have a city council that says, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all this turmoil, in the midst of all this trouble, we're going to work to defund you. You have all these city council members that talk about that. Now, to the credit of the mayor, the mayor says, well, I don't want to defund. I, I just want to reform. And, and I think reformation is something that's very, very good and admirable. I think that if you're not holding up a mirror and looking, how can we do the job better, right? Then, then, then you're missing the point. But you fall into this, let's do it like this. Let's, let's you know, take money away from this and let's go ahead and fund all these different things. Can you imagine local crack house? Guy walks in. Hey, man, how's it going? Hey, cool, man. You coming to get your drugs? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be doing that anymore. Well, why not, man? You've been working for me forever, slinging dope out on the street. Well, listen, I got an FHA loan. I got approved for it, so I'm getting that little three-bedroom, two-house. Oh, man, the one down the street? Yeah, I'm going to be owning that. Um, so I think I'm pretty much done with the drug business. I I'm really thinking about, you know, um, Best Buy is hiring, and, and they pay fairly decent, and they'll give me a discount so I can get that big. Oh, man, the 55-incher? Yeah, the one we looked at stealing the other night? I, you know, I think I'm going to be able to do it now because... Some people have reimagined how we do things and they release some capital and I'm going to be able to get a loan and a mortgage. So I'm going to be able to pay for things now. So I'm going to go ahead and stop dealing drugs. Oh man, we hate to see you go. Hey, here's an eight ball for the road, pal. Is that really what we're talking about? Is that what we're talking about when Kamala says we're going to reimagine how we do this? Now, here's the issue, and, and really, when we, when we get into brass tacks and we talk about some of the dollars and cents of this, I support a lot of money being poured into mental health issues. I support a lot of money being poured into homelessness. I, I, I really support that because it's a plague. Mental health, we, we did an episode about it. I challenge you, please go back and listen to episode number four. Episode four talks about mental health. It talks about getting help. It talks about some of the things that are out there to help put your mind right. But when we talk about those, we can't have a conversation about those issues in the same breath we talk about taking money away from our law enforcement. When we talk about taking money and support, you know that random carjackings are up. I wonder why. Listen, when there's no fear and there's lawlessness, the lawlessness is a byproduct of no fear because they know the cops won't do anything. They know the cops don't have the power. They know such as a place in New York City, okay, in New York where they completely eliminated cash bail. So, hey, I'm in by nine, out by five. Right? That should be something reserved for a dry cleaner, not for a guy who beat the hell out of somebody, fingerprint them, Come back in 60 days, we'll see you then. And he looks at them like they're a bunch of idiots. Walks out the door to do whatever in the heck they want. 
So we can have these conversations about mental health, supporting that. But you know what's interesting? There's only so much money to go around, kids. You act like the United States government is just posh with money. We are in a deficit. We are spending much more than we're taking in. We're basically printing money, and that's all going to cause our economy to collapse. You think things are bad now. Wait till bread is six, eight, ten dollars. Wait till a can of soup will cost you ten bucks. Wait till you can't buy a bunch of bananas because they're all gone. Because we're funding every crazy liberal wet dream. It's it all fits. It all fits together. Hey, Mike, we're talking about the Second Amendment, not, you know, the the trillion dollar spending. No, it all fits together. Because here's the deal. If we're funding the research and development of happier thoughts for gay lobsters living in Massachusetts, we're not able to take those resources and apply it to police or children or homelessness or any of the other things. So when I say this, and I've said this before, I don't mind paying taxes. I really don't. If you've ever been to a third world country and seen infrastructure that is either crumbling or is horrible, and you've seen that, you suddenly begin to get this this understanding that, hey, maybe paying taxes isn't bad. Paying taxes is not bad. Do something right with my money, please. I don't mind paying. I don't. I'm in a very high tax bracket. But all I'm asking you, Uncle Sam, all I'm asking you, my congressman, all I'm asking you, my senators, all I'm asking you, the mayor, all I'm asking you is to do something good with my money. Defunding the police takes less police off the street. It doesn't give them the tools. It doesn't give them the ability to take care of the city. And then what happens? Complete utter lawlessness why does the government want to take your guns the government doesn't want to take your guns listen listen to joe talk about taking guns he talked about a mandatory buyback what is a mandatory buyback when you put the words mandatory on something it means that they're going to take it well michael the government would never take our weapons you sure about that anybody want to talk about hurricane katrina Oh, there was huge devastation. Horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. That was actually my my first uh, uh, real introduction to the pain and human suffering that a natural disaster can cause. I spent three days at the Astrodome doing triage for people coming in from the hurricane. Hurricane Katrina, the New Orleans Police Department, literally went door-to-door with survivors and confiscated weapons. Over 500 weapons. No crime was committed. No issue was there. They went to check on people who had survived, rode out the storm. They were in their houses. Oh, by the way, you're good to go. Please give me your weapons. They took handguns. They took rifles. They took all sort of... Look this up. This is public record. Hurricane Katrina gun grab. I believe the count was 430 some odd weapons that were taken from law-abiding citizens who had done nothing other than lived through a storm. And the government came in and took their weapons. So when we talk about the gun grab, when we talk about what all of this means, you can't take our guns and then defund our police. The two shall never meet. Because the bottom line is this. 
the only thing that will stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. God bless that officer that died in Boulder. Without that person, without that person getting up in the morning and saying, this may be my last day on the planet. I, I bet you he didn't think that. That was his last day on planet Earth. And he made a difference. Had he not been there, would there have been more? Had those not Capitol Police officers been there, would there have been more death? So when we talk about the Second Amendment, make no mistake, let me summarize it in two different things. Number one, you can't take our weapons. Why can you not take our weapons? Because our forefathers knew that the government always needed to have a little bit of fear of its populace. That a populace, if they were subject to tyranny, would have the ability to rise up and say, no more. I'm not talking about a civil war. I'm not talking about insurrection. I'm not talking about anything bad. What I'm talking about is a healthy respect, a healthy fear for the populace to say, you won't do this. This is our country and we have the right to protect ourselves. Second thing, you can't take our right to defend ourselves from those people who are evil. How do we do this? How do we take care of this? We need to understand we can never legislate evil. That is never going to happen. People who have evil in their heart will use a gun, they'll use a knife, they'll use a car, they'll make a bomb, they'll do whatever they need to do if they are hell-bent on hurting maiming and killing people so what do we do we make it so heinous that when those people are caught they are put out as a as a story for other people you're gonna kill you the, the state of texas you lie you kill you murder in the state of texas the state of texas will kill you right back what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the death penalty. What I'm talking about, mandatory minimum sentences for people who commit gun crimes. We do not need to pass a single additional, a single new, a single new way of looking at this. Enforce the laws we have. Background checks, they make sense. We don't want felons. We don't want people with mental issues. We don't want those folks that shouldn't have guns to have guns. We want to make sure that people have the right to keep the right to bear arms. Because here's the deal. No matter what legislation you passed, a criminal has already demonstrated he doesn't care for your laws. They're not going to abide by them. Straw man purchases need to be something that is so horrible you wouldn't even think about doing it. Many people are doing these straw man purchases where they knowingly purchase weapons for people who should not have them and if it's prosecuted, it's usually a fine, it's no prison time, and it's, it's, it, it needs to be a horrendous thing for somebody. If they do this, they get caught, they're going to jail, they're going to jail for a long time. And if you commit a crime with a gun, no pass go, no collect $200, if you murder somebody, it's it. We're done. I'm sorry, at what point do we say... No, no, no. You, 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 you can reintegrate into society. Look at the case of the person that beat up on the, the Asian lady in, in New York. 
That person had just used a baseball bat to kill their mother. Kill their mother. Let him out of jail. No cash bail. You come back. 60 days. We got a court trial for you. It's amazing how many people kill, rape, steal. We let them out of jail. And then we wonder why this happened. This is so senseless. How many times we wonder, this is so senseless, this drunk driver. How did this drunk driver with six DUIs, how were they allowed to operate a vehicle? Because some mealy mouth political nonsense judge wants to try to believe the best in people. And you just can't do it because there's evil in this world. There are laws on the books. They need to be enforced. Don't come after me for my guns. Don't sell me this pack of lies that black lives matter, red lives matter, blue lives matter, purple lives matter. Don't come at me with that crap. Because the bottom line is if lives and black lives really matter to you, you wouldn't abort children at a record pace. You wouldn't allow your cities to devolve. You know what lives matter? All lives matter. And if we began to educate our people on what the Constitution says, we began to educate this country, we began to have real, law-abiding, God-fearing citizens rise up and say, no, we're not going to let you defund our police. We're going to back the blue. No, we're not going to let you pass these laws that will restrict our right to protect ourselves. No, we're not going to do that. And if you're a liberal, mealy mouse, socialist little judge, guess what? Elections are coming, Bubba. Your days are numbered. Get involved. Local level. We got elections coming up. 2022 is going to be here quick. I'm not talking about Congress. I'm not talking about senators. I'm not talking. I'm talking about your local government. Who's your county judge? And are you happy with them? Who is your town board? Who is your city council? Who are those people that are really deciding if your town is going to be a sanctuary city? If your town is going to capitulate to all of this crazy gun grabs? Those are some of the questions I'd have for people running for office. What happens if? What will you do to protect us? How will you insulate us from this craziness? Because, folks, it all happens at the local level. Who are your state reps? Do you even know who your state reps are? Do you know who your congressman is or congresswoman? Do you know who your senators are? No, we're just concerned with the president, and then we just kind of lose it all in the mix. Mark my words. A time is coming, and it's almost here. We're going to need to make a decision. Is this Constitution worth it? With all the things going on, and all the feelings, and all the sadness, and all the problems greatest document in the history of this country. We need to uphold, we need to protect it, and we need to elect people who will do the same. Just want to take this opportunity to thank everybody for listening to this episode. It was a very uh, fun episode to put together. I'd like to thank producer Pablito. Pablito, thank you so much for queuing up and doing everything. Uh, I think he's going to make it to the next, this is our March 
no, it's not March Madness anymore because this is definitely April. So we're going to get him in more because Pablito's a fun guy to work with, and uh, we'll talk about that. So did you know that you can actually support this podcast, the Mike is Always Right podcast? You can support it for as little as 99 cents a month. Come on, we're going to put a link in the description so that you can do that. Uh, also, I want to keep our hearts, minds on track with the Mighty Oaks Foundation. If you haven't given... We'll put that in the show notes as well. Please go and give. Our goal is $2,500. We want to make a difference for our vets. We want to make a difference in their lives. We thank everybody for what they're doing. Have a great week. Go out there. Kick butt. Take names. Live your life. Be the light. And we'll get back to you next week.